0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 23. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: So how can you judge someone else when you are equally Even more, a recipient of God's grace. You can't. So don't circulate a false report. Grow up. The church needs to grow up. And not do that to each other. Don't be so judgmental. Don't be so harsh on other people. We're so harsh. I can't believe they did that. Oh, man. We're so unforgiving The church is so unforgiving, and at the same time, we'll go right to the Lord. Oh, God, forgive me. (laughs) On Saturday night, carrying on Sunday morning. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And you leave, and you oh, that feels great. I've been forgiven. I've been washed. I've been cleansed, and. I got a new start and Monday's going to be a new day for me and a new week and I'm going to walk with God. And you feel all forgiven because God has forgiven you. But because God has forgiven you, you ought to be forgiving. And if you are not forgiving, don't expect God to forgive you. That's all. That's all. If you're going to judge other people, then expect to be judged. If you're going to be merciless to other people, then expect to not receive mercy from God. That's all. Because with the same judgment you judge others, you're going to be judged with. That's the Bible. Amen. That's why, Pastor Rodney, listen, I'm trying to show as much grace as I possibly can. I, I am really, I'm really trying as much as I possibly can. You know why? Because I want grace. Y'all said that like I need it. <laughs> Y'all like, yes,
0: amen,
1: <laughs> I ain't that bad. Man. You know, somebody once said this, and I love this little statement here. Somebody once said, there's no greater witness to unbelievers, no greater argument for the existence of God than when we in the body of Christ love each other. Amen. Isn't that the truth? When we love each other, nobody can argue against love. You can't argue against love. Love is seen and love is felt and there's no argument. Hey, they love each other. And that's That's a witness to the existence and the power of God. Notice in verse 2 and 3. Well, y'all need to pray for me. Okay, so look at verse 2. I cannot, where did the time go? My goodness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Now look, young people and older people, don't follow a crowd to do evil. This is talking about peer pressure. You know, don't, don't follow a crowd to do evil. You know, peer pressure began in the garden with Adam and Eve. Peer pressure. A- a- and it's been a problem ever since. And that's why you got to choose your crowd carefully. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Write it down. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company it does. If you hanging out with people who do drugs, I don't care how Christian you think you are. You will be doing what they do because evil company corrupts good habits. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're old or young. You know, you're hanging around with people that cheat on their taxes. <laughs> you're going to be cheating on your taxes. That's the truth. You can't escape it. It's inescapable. You will become like the people you hang around. That's why you gotta hang around Christian people who love God. I mean, not not that you can't you know, I'm never gonna talk to an unbeliever. Well, how are they ever gonna get saved if you never talk to them? Amen. It just makes sense. But but you don't but you don't wanna find yourself Fellowshipping with unbelievers. Jesus didn't fellowship. He fellowship with the 12. but Jesus was always around tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and all kinds of people and, and alcoholics and all kinds of people, but Jesus didn't hang out with them. He spent time with them enough to tell them about himself and how they could be saved and how they could be delivered. But he didn't spend a lot of time. He didn't fellowship with them, and don't you, Christian? Fellowship with people who are not like you. Find yourself some Christian friends. I know that's a word for somebody here. Find yourself some Christian friends. Your life will be a whole lot easier. I don't know where the time is going. (laughs) Your life will be a whole lot easier if you find yourself some Christian friends. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And look at verse 3. And don't show partialities to a poor man. In verse 3, I like that. You know, we're always talking about showing partiality to rich people. But listen, if you're wealthy, thank God for that. He's been blessing you. But here God says, have you ever seen that? Don't show partiality to poor people. Just because they are poor, don't make unjust decisions. And you've got to remember that God is talking to the judges, the Elohim. Remember, the judges. And God is telling them, when you're judging, Don't, you know, oh, well, they're poor. They should get special privileges because they don't have a lot. That's the tendency. God is into equality on every level. Poor people get the same justice as wealthy people. And, of course, don't show, you know, partiality to wealthy people either. Look at verse 4. If you meet a man's ox going astray and that man is your enemy, Bring the ox back to him. Now, I like this, because God, again, as we talked about last week, is concerned about every aspect of our lives. And God knows how we are with our enemies. You know, we we, 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 we see our enemy's ox. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how that applies today, but we'll work with it. You see your enemy's ox going down the street and, you know, and. And you say, ha, ha. "Cause see, the ox. Remember, the ox was like. <laughs> I'm working here, people. The ox was like a man's tractor, and it was important, and 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 for his livelihood. So, if the ox got out of the ox pen and was walking down the street, I mean, if it got hit by a truck." <laughs> then it would be a problem. And God says, you know you know how we are about that. You know, you see something like your enemy's ox going down the street, and you go, ha, 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 that's great. Go oxy, go oxy, go oxy, go oxy, go oxy. God says, no, don't do that. God is saying, listen, you know, I'm working tonight, man. This is a trip. Listen, it's not the, God is basically saying, look, it's not the animal's fault that the owner is wacko. It's not the animal's fault. If you see the donkey laying under a burden or a cart, we just read it or something like that, then help the donkey. And then look at verse 7. Keep far from a false matter and do not kill innocent and the righteous. Now, God says, I will not justify the wicked. Are you looking at it? God says, don't kill an unborn child. Interesting. And don't take bribes because bribery will blind the wise and pervert justice. Do things with no strings attached. No bribes. You know what? We mentioned it at the meeting on Sunday, you know, at the business meeting, all church business meeting. Thank you for your attendance. And, you know, uh, Pastor Charles mentioned that, uh, that I don't know who gives what in this church. I don't know who's the big givers and who's not. I have no idea and I like to keep it that way because that helps me to be able to hear from the Lord and do what I do as a pastor in a wise way and not pervert justice, if you will, because I don't know who gives what in the church. And I don't want to be tempted to and I don't know, by, by the way, I don't know by choice. I think you should know that. I don't know by choice. I can know. I can know anything in this church. I don't know by choice because I don't want to be tempted to be really nice, more nice to people who give. And, you know, there's a te- that's that flesh there. You know what I mean? I don't put no confidence in the flesh. I don't have a flesh monster to deal with just like you. And I don't want to be tempted to, oh, well, they're big givers, you know, don't, you know, don't tell them what the word of God says. I mean, they might stop giving. You know, Satan does that kind of thing. That's what the Bible says. Don't make room for the flesh. Don't even make room for it. So I choose not to know. Because I don't want to pervert justice. And then God says, hey, remember the strangers. And in verse 9, we should remember the strangers. And remember chapter 22. Remember chapter 22, right about verse 21. We talked about it last week. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him. God's just reiterating it. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Look at verse 10, chapter 23, verse 10. You're looking at it. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce. But in the seventh year, you shall let it rest and lie fallow that the poor of your people may eat. And what they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. See, God provides. Amen. In like manner you shall do with your vineyards and your olive grove. Six days you shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. And in all that I have said to you, verse 13, be circumspect or watch your life. And make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. Notice we have the principle of the Sabbath. And you want to notice we talked about this right around chapter 12. Um, We have the principle of the Sabbath. and, and, And we want to note that the Sabbath is applied to more than just the work week. It applies to allowing the land to rest one year in seven. Every seventh year, the land was to rest the beasts were to rest, the servants were to rest, and man was to rest. You see, God is always taking care. And God says, this is what you're to do. One year in seven, let it rest. And don't you remember the people went into Babylonian captivity for 490 years. Why? Because they failed to keep this commandment and letting the land rest. And God says, listen, they did that for 70 years. They didn't let the lamb rest for 70 years. And God says, you owe me. And God says, the way I'm going to get paid is you're going into Babylonian captivity for 490 years. I'm going to get paid, God says. You know, somebody once said this, the wheels of God's judgment turn slowly, but they grind thoroughly. (laughs) God's going to get his. Notice in verse 14, three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abid, For in it you came out of Egypt, none shall appear before me empty. And the Feast of Harvest, notice you got the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you got the Feast of Harvest in verse 16, the first fruits of your labor which you have sown in the field, and the Feast of Ingatherings. Three feasts, do you see it? At the end of the year, and when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field three times in the year, all males, verse 17, shall appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. The first of the fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And very interesting, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. What we have here, saints, give me your attention. We have the mandatory feast three times a year. According to verse 17 in your Bibles, three times a year, all males had to be present and accounted for. You have the feast of unleavened bread. And this feast was tied to the fa- Passover. You have the feast of harvest or Pentecost or first fruits. That's 50 days after Passover. And then you have the Feast of Tabernacles, which celebrated the fact that the people lived in tents or booths in the wilderness. And it's very interesting about these feasts as they foreshadow the future events of Israel. The Feast of Passover, you know if you've been around here, told of Jesus dying as the Lamb of God. And then the Feast of Pentecost was a picture of the first fruits of the gospel, the birth of the church. And then the Feast of Tabernacles foreshadows a day in the future when we will live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Very interesting. Look at verse 19 again. We've got to take a look at that. God says he wants your best, the first fruits. Now, we talked about this. The Old Testament principle, saints, give me your attention. The Old Testament principle is tithing. The New Testament principle is not tithing, it's giving. Have you heard that sermon? If not, order. I think you'll find it interesting. The Old Testament principle is tithing. The New Testament principle is giving. And good thing, because I'll tell you something, because you don't find tithing in the New Testament. I don't have time to go over all that. But good thing, because a person that makes $10,000 a year, a couple that makes $10,000 a year, if they were to tithe off of that $10,000, they wouldn't have enough to live on. And they would be in counseling with Pastor Jim and Melissa. And now we got a problem because we're going to have to help you because it's going to cost us money to get you in counseling because you're trying to obey a principle that the New Testament doesn't even teach. The New Testament principle is giving. Now, conversely, if you make $20 million a year, you can give the church $15 million. Because it's giving, it's about laying up something aside every week we talked about this. Do you know if every individual in this church, every single time they came to church, they laid something aside to leave unto the Lord in every church across America and the world. If people, Christians, I'm not talking to non-believers, if you're a non-believer, keep your money. I mean that. Don't try to pay God off. He is not for sale. But More than three people need to say amen. amen. Keep your money. Don't write God a check and don't give him money if you haven't given him your heart. I'm talking to believers. If every believer in the world, when they went to church, would just lay something aside and put it in. Do you know the church would have plenty of money to do what God has called them to do? If everybody would lay something aside based on what God has given them, based on how God has blessed them. And so the person who makes 20 bazillion dollars a year, well, they would be able to give more. Because, look, if you can't live off five million dollars a year, something wrong with you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Goodness gracious. <laughs> if you got money like Oprah and you can't. Li- what's wrong with you? Something you're spending too much. Something's wrong And then the person that doesn't have a lot, well, they lay something aside. Well, maybe they only have five bucks to bring to church. It doesn't matter how much you give. The point is that you give something. That's what the Bible says. And if everybody in this church just gave something, whatever they could do, the best that they could do. Because you want to give the Lord the best. You don't want to give him your leftovers. He doesn't want your leftovers. He wants your best. The first fruits. That's what first means. It means best. It, it doesn't really even mean first and priority. That's not really what it means. It means your best. Y'all hear me? Amen. It's different. And if everybody just does the best they can do, the church will have plenty. Every church. And we can get rid of the money mamas in the lobby. And we can get rid of all the building programs. Because there'll be plenty To do the work of the kingdom. Don't tell me that our God is not a God who can't provide for his work. He will. That's how he does it. Through people. So we set aside the best. Notice in verse 19, the latter part. You got to see it. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Now you will find this statement. And I think what I'll do is I'll just close right here after verse 19. And then we'll come back. And uh, man, I wanted to finish this chapter tonight. Okay, so that's not possible. So, verse 19. All right, you taking notes? You will find this phrase. It, it is very interesting, isn't it? Uh, you will find this phrase three times in the Bible, and it's a prohibition three times in the Bible Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 21, Exodus chapter 34, verse 26. And here in our text, Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, you see it three times in the Bible. Now, you want to kind of get this in context. Listen to me close. Here's a little history for you. The Canaanites had a practice. Are you listening? The Canaanites had a practice of boiling a baby lamb in its mother's milk. And sometimes they would boil a baby lamb. In the King James Version, it says you shall not boil a kid. And and I like the new King James because we know not to boil a kid. (laughs) Not a goat. And so this Canaanite practice, they would boil it in its mother's milk or they would boil it in its mother's blood. And they would use it, say, boil it in its mother's milk for stew or they would even take it and pour it out on the ground as good luck for harvest. So the Jews today, they look at a verse like this. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. The Jews today have taken this to be a dietary thing. When in fact, it really isn't a dietary thing. It's an idolatry thing. Even today in Israel, have you been to Israel with us? You know this Jews can't mix meat and milk together because of this verse, because they believe that the acid in your stomach makes it boil. So you would be boiling A kid, a goat in milk. This is the Jewish mentality as it relates to this verse. So you can't eat cheese in Israel today. You cannot eat cheese and milk in the same meal because they believe that you might be eating meat from mother of whatever. And you're eating that meat and you might be boiling that in your stomach. As a matter of fact, get this. When McDonald's wanted to open up in Israel, the Israelis, true story, asked McDonald's to give them the formula for their cheese. And McDonald's said, no, it's a secret. You know, they got that secret sauce. <laughs> McDonald's said, it's a secret. And so the Israelis, I kid you not, today, the Israelis set up their own McDonald's and they call it McDavid's. <laughs> it's true. And so, you know, you get two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, non-dairy cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun at McDavid's in Israel. I remember being in Israel with a couple of pastors, and, and one pastor was dying for it. Calvary pastors, don't, don't travel with them. And <laughs> Calvary pastors, all right, I'm closing. And Calvary pastor, this Calvary pastor, he wanted a cheeseburger so bad. He's like, I'm dying for a cheeseburger. And so, and, and this was our first trip there. We didn't really know. And it was my first trip there. And, and so he orders like a, a, a cheeseburger. And the waiter about lost his mind. <laughs> he kind of went off. So he had to order. I kid you not. He had to order in one restaurant. We were in that, you know that area. In Ben Yehuda, honey. Remember? We were in that area on my first trip. And we were in this restaurant. And Greg, you remember Ben Yehuda, remember? And uh, we were in this area, in this restaurant. We, and he ordered the meat at this restaurant. Went over to the other restaurant and got some cheese. (laughs) And then had to put it together. But he couldn't eat it in the restaurant we were sitting in because you cannot, it will get you thrown out. Because they believe in this particular verse, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. God is simply saying, listen, and we'll go over it next week. Don't be like the Canaanites. And don't get in the land. Remember, they're in the wilderness. Are you listening? They're in the wilderness, and they're on their way to Canaan land. We'll talk about that next week. You don't want to miss it. And they're going into Canaan land, and God is saying, listen, when you get into the land, don't paganize me. Don't start practicing like the pagans do. Don't get it. We'll talk. Read ahead. You'll see some stuff. God doesn't want us to be like the world and being pagan like the world, and practicing like the world, and bringing the world into the church, and making the church one big pagan display. God doesn't want all that.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.